In this recording, we're going to go through one of the unusual features of Targum Unculus, Unculus's Aramaic translation of the Torah. And one of the unusual things that he does consistently is that he slightly alters the meaning of the translation of anything physical which has to do with Hashem. So we're going to analyze two of the major theories, the Rambam versus the Ramban and the Maharal, to explain why Unculus does this. Now, the translation of Unculus can be found in most modern printed chumashim on the side. It's one of the oldest and certainly the most authoritative translation of the Torah that we have. The Gemara records a number of traditions that illustrate and emphasize exactly how important and central Unculus's translation is. Because Unculus is not translating as he sees fit, he's not making it up, but he's recording the traditions that Chazal, that the greatest rabbis had. So in that sense, he's recording very central ways to interpret the Torah that he got from Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. Those are the teachers also of Rabbi Akiva. So this is the same basic generation. And he, like Rabbi Akiva, preserves many important misoras and traditions that we have from the early Chazal. And that's the importance of his translation, that it's so rooted in the passed down received traditions that the greatest rabbis had. So Unculus preserved this tradition and that's why his translation is unique amongst all the many translations of the Torah that have been done into all sorts of languages throughout Jewish history. But Unculus is uniquely amongst them preserved these very important traditions into how to interpret and explain the context of the Torah. So back in the day when people spoke Aramaic in the Gemara's times, they actually actually used to read the Targum Unculus, that basic translation, in Shul on Shabbos morning so that people would understand the language of the Torah. It would be like nowadays if we read an English translation. Now, most Shuls do not do this anymore because people don't speak Aramaic, but there are Yemenite Shuls where they continue this practice. Sometimes the Yemenite Shuls preserve ancient practices, so this is one of them. And even the Shuls where people don't read it out loud, but the Halacha is that people are supposed to to read the Torah two times along with Unculus each week. So we see that Unculus has a very central place in Halacha. And again, this is because his translation is so important and it preserves many important traditions that he didn't invent on his own. He didn't write his translation by himself, but he recorded the received tradition, which long predated him and it was passed along through the generations and it was preserved in Unculus's translation. So this is part of the context for our discussion as we'll see that the Rambam and the Ramban are going to place such emphasis and importance on what message Unculus is trying to convey. Now, one of the unusual things that Unculus does throughout his translation, and he does this pretty consistently, is that wherever the Torah uses a phrase which seems to indicate that God is doing something in the physical world, Unculus slightly alters this so that it has a different connotation. So, for example, when the Torah talks talks about Hashem hearing something. So that sounds like a physical act that he hears things the way humans hear things. So Unculus will translate that a little differently. It doesn't mean that he heard something physically, but it means that Hashem understood what was going on. Or as another example, when the Torah says, Vayavor Hashem al Panav, that Hashem passed over him. So again, that sounds something physical, like Hashem is traveling. So Unculus understands that that's not a 
a reference to Hashem himself. It's a reference to the Shekhinah, to the presence of Hashem, which is something that Hashem created and reflects him, but it's not Hashem himself. And this pattern consistently repeats itself that wherever the Torah uses phrases that indicate Hashem is doing or has something physical about him, like the hand of Hashem or the eye of Hashem, whatever it is that sounds physical about Hashem, in those cases, Unkelis will subtly alter the nature of his translation so that it doesn't reflect that physical aspect. So the question is, why exactly is he doing this? So the Rambam in his Mora Nevuchim, his guide for the perplexed, he addresses this question in a number of places. This was a very important pattern for the Rambam. And these are collected in the Maharal's Tiferes Yisrael with the commentary of Kol Chai from Rabbi Vigdor Shiloh. So in the back, he has a useful summary of the different views about this. And he quotes the places where the Rambam in the Mora Nevuchim addresses this pattern in Uncle. Now, the reason this is so important for the Rambam is because the Rambam was adamant that Hashem has no physical nature at all. There is no physical form and he does not do anything physical. So he does not hear, he does not eat, he does not talk. He has nothing in common with the physical world. And this is one of the Rambam's 13 principles of faith. And it was something that he engaged in a polemic and argued with many people who did not understand that fact. In fact, the Ravid disagreed agreed somewhat with the Rambam because the Rambam said that anyone who thinks God has physical form is a heretic and the Ravid didn't go that far even though he agrees that God has no physical form but he did not think it's heresy to think that God would have a physical form. So one of the major obstacles that the Rambam faced to convincing people that God has no physical form is the fact that the Torah seems to speak about God in such physical ways. It talks about his hand and his eyes and he does things and he hears and he talks. So all of that was confusing people and they were thinking that God actually had a physical form and the Rambam had to argue against them. So the Rambam's main argument is that the Torah speaks in a way that would be understandable to us and we human beings are totally limited by the physical world. So that's why the Torah has to use physical language as a metaphor for what it's trying to say. But we wouldn't understand it. It would be totally incomprehensible to us if the Torah didn't use this type of physical language and imagery. So this is where Unkelis became very important for the Rambam because here he found an old authoritative translation of the Torah where there's a consistent effort to continuously reinterpret and translate differently those physical languages about Hashem in ways that are more metaphorical and less physical. So the Rambam found a tremendous authority in Unkelis that his reading of the Torah is correct. The Torah should not be taken literally that Hashem has all sorts of physical traits and attributes but rather it should be understood as a metaphor and that is how he understands what Unkelis is trying to do, why there's this pattern that he continuously translates these physical forms in different ways to try to take away some of the physical meaning from them. So that's the Rambam's basic understanding 
understanding of this pattern in Unculus and what Unculus's message is, is that he's trying to convey this philosophical idea that even though the Torah uses language, which indicates that Hashem has some physicality to him, it should under no circumstances be understood that way, but rather it should be understood as a metaphor in order to make it understandable to us, but the true meaning has nothing to do with physical form. So this is what the Rambam writes in the Moranavuchim, Chelek Aleph, chapter 21, and he points out this example of Vayavor Hashem al Panav Vayikra. The Torah talks about Hashem passing in front of Moshe, but Unkelis adds in a word. He says, Vaabar Hashem Shechinte ala Poihi Vikara, that Hashem's Shechina passed in front of Moshe. So again, that word is not in the Torah. The Torah said, Vayavor Hashem, that Hashem himself passed, and Unkelis adds in that it was Hashem as we mentioned above, it was not Hashem himself passing, but this reflected, created Shechina, the presence of Hashem. So that's a way of minimizing the physicality of Hashem moving and passing through the world. Again, in chapter 27, the Rambam points this out again, that Unkelis has a pattern when the Torah refers to Vayered Hashem, Hashem descending. So again, that seems to imply something physical, that Hashem goes down to the world. World, but Unkelis translates that in a little bit of a different way, the Isgale Hashem, that Hashem revealed his presence in the world. So again, that changes the meaning. It's not that Hashem himself is traveling, but it means that in some way he revealed himself. Now the Rambam poses a question because there does seem to be an exception in one place to this overall pattern in Unkelis. When Hashem reveals himself to Yaakov, who's worried about going to Mitzrayim, he says, I will descend with you to Mitzrayim. And Unkelis translates that literally as that Hashem is saying, I will go down physically with you to Egypt. So the Rambam asks, why in this case does Unkelis deviate from his general pattern to translate Hashem going down in a metaphorical way that he's going to reveal himself? Why in the message to Yaakov does Unkelis translate it literally that Hashem will go down with him to Egypt, which is obviously impossible because Hashem is not physical. He does not go down anywhere. So the Rambam explains that this is an exception because the beginning of that whole story begins that Hashem appeared to Yaakov in a dream and he spoke to him. So this is not an actual story that Hashem is going down. This is the contents of the prophecy that Yaakov got in his dream. So says the Rambam, there is another principle at work here, which is Unkelis only changes the meaning of physical sounding statements when the Torah reports them as reality. So if the Torah says such and such happened and it sounds like Hashem did something physical, so then Unkelis will subtly change the meaning of that to be less physical and more in line with the fact that Hashem does not have any physicality. But when the physical image comes in a dream or a prophecy, so the prophecy says that Hashem is doing such and such, meaning there's a physical imagery that's used in the course of a prophecy, so there Unkelis doesn't need to change the meaning of that because it's not saying this actually happened. It's just telling you how the prophet perceived what Hashem is going to do in the image he got through the prophecy. So the same thing
thing is true of Yaakov. He saw in his prophetic dream that Hashem would go down with him to Egypt. So that's why Unculus translates it literally because that is what he saw. But of course, it does not mean that Hashem in actuality traveled down in any physical way with him to Egypt. So that's the Rambam's first solution, that when it comes in the form of a dream, then Unculus translates it literally. Then the Rambam suggests a second solution, which is a little more bold, which is that the word Elohim in this context refers not to Hashem himself, but to an angel of Hashem. So the word Elohim is a somewhat ambiguous word. It can sometimes mean an authority or a judge, and of course sometimes it refers to Hashem, and then sometimes it refers to something in the middle, which is an angel of Hashem, which is of course also an authority that reflects the will of Hashem. So the Rambam suggests that maybe in this case, Unculus understood that it's talking about an angel, so that's why he interpreted it literally, because it's not talking about Hashem himself. Then in chapter 48, the Rambam points to another pattern in Unculus, which is wherever the Torah talks about Hashem hearing something, so Unculus translates it as Shmia Kadam Hashem, that something was accepted by Hashem. In other words, it doesn't mean that he literally heard it, but it means that he accepted, he agreed to something, especially when someone is davening, so Hashem accepted that prayer. So again, this is a reflection of Unculus's attempt to take out the physical aspect of it and to interpret it in ways that teach us about how Hashem runs the world. But now the Rambam asks a question on this because when it comes to the Torah talking about Hashem seeing, so their Unculus is not consistent. Sometimes he translates the Torah saying Vayar Hashem, that Hashem saw as the Gali Kadam Hashem. It was revealed in front of Hashem. So that is consistent with how he translates hearing, that it's a form of Hashem accepting something. The same is true of Hashem seeing. It means that something was revealed to him. But other times Unculus translates it literally as the Chaza Hashem that Hashem saw. So that does not seem to fit into the pattern that Unculus retranslates seeing and hearing in metaphorical ways because sometimes he does translate Hashem seeing as a literal seeing. So the Rambam explains that it's understood that when we talk about someone seeing something, it doesn't mean physically, it means understanding that concept. So of course, even when Unculus translates Hashem seeing as a literal, the Chaza Hashem, that Hashem saw something, it's understood to the reader that he refers to that in a metaphorical way, that Hashem understood something. Now, the reason why Unculus is not internally consistent, and sometimes he translates Hashem's seeing literally, and sometimes he translates it metaphorically. So the Rambam explains that when it's talking about seeing something negative, so there Unculus interprets it more metaphorically, that it was revealed to Hashem. That's his language for more negative revelations, as opposed to positive revelations, which he translates as the Chaza Hashem, that Hashem saw, again, meaning understood. So that's the Rambam's basic rule to make sense of different 
languages in Unclus's translation. But then the Rambam concludes and shows his real mastery over Unclus and almost encyclopedic computer-like skills in analyzing Unclus because he points to three times where the Torah uses the word Vayar in a negative sense and Unclus still translates it as Vechaza. So that goes against the basic rule of the Rambam. And the Rambam is so confident in his principle, his interpretation of Unculus, that he's bold enough to suggest that maybe there's a misprint in the Unculus manuscripts and those three places should in fact have different language which would fit in with the principle that he's articulating. So this is the Rambam's attempts to understand the principles guiding the language in Unculus. But again, the key message that Unculus is trying to send is that the physical descriptions of Hashem throughout the Torah are not to be taken literally. They're supposed to be understood metaphorically as teaching us about how Hashem runs his world. And then finally in chapter 66, the Rambam asks on one more place in Unkelis where the Torah says, Ksuvim elokim, that the Torah was written by the finger of Hashem. And obviously he has no finger, but still Unkelis translates it as Ksivin Be'etzpa de Hashem, that it was written with the finger of Hashem. So that again doesn't seem to fit into the pattern because he's translating it literally. So the Rambam suggests that maybe Unkelis understood the finger of Hashem is something created by Hashem. In other words, it's not talking about Hashem himself, but he created the finger of Hashem, which then carved the luchos. So that's how the Rambam makes sense in a number of places of different languages throughout the translation of Unkelis. Now, the Ramban in his commentary on the Torah at the beginning of chapter 46 in Bereshis, so he quotes this theory of the Rambam, and he asks a number of questions on it. In the commentary Kol Chai, he divides this into nine questions on the Rambam, and basically the Ramban is going to suggest a totally different approach as to why Unkelis has this pattern, not that he's trying to teach us that there's no physical form to Hashem. The Ramban doesn't even think that someone would get that from a simple reading of the Torah, but there's a different purpose why Unkelis is doing this. So the questions the Ramban asks on the Rambam are, first of all, if Unkelis is worried about physicality in the Torah, and that's why he changes the translation of Hashem hearing and Hashem moving and descending, so why doesn't he change the translation of the single most common physical attribute in the Torah? The Torah constantly talks about Hashem speaking, Vayomer Hashem, and Unkelis translates it literally as Ba'amar Hashem or Umolil Hashem, which both mean literally that Hashem spoke. So why doesn't Unkelis do anything to resolve the problem of the single most common physical attribute of Hashem that he spoke? And instead, Unkelis constantly translates it literally that Hashem spoke. Second, the Ramban asks on this whole issue that there's a difference between hearing and seeing. The Rambam said that Unkelis retranslates Hashem hearing to mean Hashem understanding, but that's not necessary when it comes to Hashem seeing because the reader understands that it refers to Hashem understanding something and it's not a physical seeing. So that means seeing is more likely to mean understanding than hearing. And the Ramban questions 
mentions this because he says throughout the Torah, the word hearing is understood with regards to people and it means that they understood. So it's very clear in the Hebrew that the word vayishma very often refers to someone understanding something and not hearing literally. So if that's the case, then there's no difference between hearing and seeing. Both of them are understood to refer to someone understanding something. So why did Unkelis need to retranslate hearing but not seeing? That's the Ramban's second question on the Rambam. Now the Ritva wrote a book, Sefer Azikaron, to answer some of the questions of the Ramban on the Rambam. And he gives an interesting answer to this question. He points out that the Ramban is correct in Hebrew. It is true that in Hebrew, the verb for hearing means to understand just like the word for seeing. But the Ritva says Unkelis is not translating into Hebrew. He's translating into Aramaic. And in Aramaic, the word for hearing only means physical hearing. It does not mean understanding, as opposed to the word for seeing in Aramaic, which could also refer to understanding something. So that explains why Unkelis had to translate the verb for hearing, but not the verb for seeing, because Unkelis is translating into Aramaic, which is different than the Hebrew, and the Ramban's question is based on the Hebrew rules of grammar. The third question that the Ramban asks is that the Rambam said that Unkelis always alters the verb vaya avor that Hashem passed in front of him to refer not to Hashem, but to the Shekhinah, the presence of Hashem, which is a created reflection of Hashem. So the Ramban asks that this is not consistent because that is true in Shmos Lamedalid Vav. The Torah says vaya avor Hashem al panav that Hashem passed in front of Moshe and Unkelis changes it va'avir Hashem shechinte ala poihi. So he does add in the word shechina in his translation there. But in Dvarim Lamed Aleph Gimel, the Torah says, Hashem over that Hashem will pass in front of you. And Unkelis translates it literally, Hashem avar kadmach, that Hashem your God will pass in front of you. He does not add in the word shechina. So there's an inconsistency in Unkelis according to the Rambam's explanation. The fourth question of the Ramban is that there are a number of cases where Unkelis does not seem scared to use physical expressions in terms of Hashem. So in Shmos Yudalid Lamid Aleph, the Torah says, Vayar Yisrael Sayad Hagdola, the Jews saw the great hand of Hashem, which is of course a physical expression, and Unkelis translates it, Vechaza Yisrael Yaskevurta Yadarabasa, that the Jews saw the might, the power of the hand of Hashem. So Unkelis includes both types of translations together. On the one hand, he interprets it as the power, but then he includes the hand itself. So why isn't he afraid of using the physical expression of hand in this instance? And then there's the other example that the Rambam raised. The Torah says, Ksuvim be'etzba Elokim, that it's written with the finger of Hashem. And Unkelis translates it literally as the finger of Hashem. Now the Rambam already asked this question and he answered that maybe Unkelis understands it as a finger of Hashem, which is created by Hashem in order to inscribe the Torah. But the Rambam disagrees with that answer because in Dvarim Lamin Gimel Beis, the Torah says, Mimino Eish Das Lamo, that the Torah was written by the right hand of Hashem. And Unkelis translates that literally, and he's not worried about saying that Hashem has a right side to him. So the Ramban questions the Rambam's theory because there are instances where Unkelis is not consistent, and he does translate things regarding Hashem in a physical, literal way. The fifth question.
question of the Ramban is on the Rambam's theory that when the Torah uses a physical expression in the course of a dream or a prophecy, then Unculus translates it literally because that is what the prophet saw. So the Ramban questions this because there are instances where Unculus is inconsistent and even in the course of a dream, he translates it metaphorically, not literally. So for example, when Yaakov has his dream of the ladder and the angels going up and down, so that's clearly identified as a dream. He dreamt of the ladder. And then the next Pasuk says, that Hashem was standing on him and Unculus translates it metaphorically Historically, the Hayakra de Hashem Ma'asar Alohi, that the presence of Hashem was standing above him. So Unculus does not translate that literally even though it's in the course of a dream. Similarly, in that same dream, Hashem says, that I will be with you, and Unculus translates it metaphorically, that my speech will be with you. So again, he translates it metaphorically, even though it's in the midst of a dream. And the Ramban continues with other examples of this. For example, the Torah says, that Hashem came to Abimelech in a dream, or that Hashem came to Lavan in a dream. And Unculus translates those even though they're in a dream, that speech came from Hashem. So again, he does not translate them literally even though they're in a dream. Says the Ramban, maybe you'll argue that it depends on whether the Torah first says that it was in a dream. If the word dream is before it says that Hashem came, then Unculus translates it literally. Whereas in these cases, first it says that Hashem came and then it says that it was in a dream after that. So that's why Unculus translates it metaphorically. But says the Ramban, there is another example from the Navi in Malachim Aleph, where it says, Begivon nira Hashem el Shlomo that Hashem appeared to Shlomo in a dream. So the appearance of Hashem is before it identifies it as a dream. And the Targum Yonasan, which is the authoritative translation on the Nevi'im, we don't have Unculus on the Nevi'im, but the Targum Yonasan there says, Iskale Hashem Shlomo. He translates it literally that Hashem appeared to Shlomo, even though the word dream appears at the end. So the Ramban seems to assume that Unculus and Targum Yonasan are going to have similar rules. And the fact that the Targum Unculus translates it literally in that case indicates that even if the word dream follows the appearance of Hashem, it should still be translated literally. So again, there is inconsistency in terms of when Unculus translates a dream literally or metaphorically. The sixth question of the Ramban goes the other way from these last few questions. Not that Unculus translates some things regarding Hashem literally, but the other way, that there are times when there is no concern about it sounding like Hashem has physical form, and still Unculus changes the translation. So there are times in the Torah when the Jews are talking about God. For example, it says that they're complaining about God in Shmos Tesayin Ches, and Unculus translates that the Memra de Hashem, that they're complaining about the speech of Hashem. Now in that case, there's no indication in the Torah that Hashem is doing anything physical. It's referencing there that the Jews are referring to Hashem and still Unculus alters the translation to be metaphorical, to be discussing the speech of Hashem. So there's no reason to do that according to the Rambam's theory.
The seventh question is again an inconsistency in Unkelis and Targum Yonasan because the Rambam explained that when the Torah refers to Hashem's standing, Amida, it refers to the establishment of something. Obviously, Hashem himself is not standing. And he says that that's why Unkelis translates it as the power, like the enduringness of Hashem. But the Ramban points out that there are times, like in Shmos Yudzayin Vav, when Unkelis is happy to translate the standing of Hashem literally Literally, and he doesn't seem concerned about the physical implication of it. The eighth question of the Ramban now puts together two theories of the Rambam. First, he says that at times Unkelis understands when the Torah talks about Hashem, it's not talking about Hashem himself, it's talking about the Kavod Nivra, the presence of Hashem that he created. So it's more like an angel that reflects the will of Hashem. So in terms of the Kavod Nivra, this created presence of Hashem, so there Unkelis will translate things in a literal, physical way. On the other hand, the Rambam also says that Unkelis changes the verb Hashem saw and he translates it in a metaphorical way. So the Ramban asks, putting these two together, why didn't Unkelis just translate the verb Hashem saw in a literal way and interpret it to be referring to the Kavod Nivra, not to Hashem himself, but to this created glory, in which case Unkelis is able to translate it literally. So once there's the theory that Hashem sometimes refers to his created glory, why does Unkelis need to change the verb Hashem saw and not just just translate it literally, referring to the Kavod Nivra. And the ninth and final question of the Ramban, and this may be his most serious disagreement with the Rambam on this whole issue, is that the Rambam says that when Unkelis refers to the Shechina, he's referring to the Kavod Nivra. So the word Shechina does not mean Hashem himself, but rather it refers to this created glory, some creation of the will of Hashem. And that's why Unkelis can use literal terms terms when he's referring to the Shechina. So the Ramban has a very fundamental debate with the Rambam about this, and he says that we cannot say the Shechina is not referring to Hashem himself, it's referring to some sort of angel that he creates. It cannot be that what we call the Shechina, the divine presence, or the Kavod, the glory of Hashem, is something which is created outside of Hashem. It has to be says the Ramban, that it's a reflection of Hashem himself in some way, whatever that means. So there's a very fundamental debate between the Rambam and the Ramban on this issue. According to the Rambam, the Shechina or the Kavod Nivra are things which are created by Hashem, but they are not Hashem himself. Whereas according to the Ramban, those terms refer to certain aspects of Hashem himself. And he has some proof for this. In Shmos Lamed Gimel Tesvav, when Moshe is insisting that Hashem himself travel with the Jewish people and not send an angel. So he says, If you yourself do not go with us. And Unkelis translates that, If your Shechina doesn't come with us. So the whole point of Moshe is that he wants Hashem himself, not an angel. And Unkelis calls that the Shechina. So you see that the Shechina is a reference to Hashem himself. And there's other proof for this. Moshe says, Ye 
Elech na Hashem bekir beinu. Hashem, you please go with us. And again, Unkelis translates that as Shkinta de Hashem beinana, the Shkina of Hashem. So from all these cases, and the Ramban has a number of proofs, it seems clear that the Shkina, when Unkelis uses that term, is a reference not to an angel, not to something that Hashem creates, but to Hashem himself, which again undermines the Rambam's explanation of why Unkelis uses physical terms when it comes to the Shkina, because that's still a problem of seeming to say that Hashem has physicality. So because of all these questions, the Ramban does not like the Rambam's general interpretation as to why Unkelis changes the physical terms in the Torah. And instead, he proposes a different approach to explaining why Unkelis does this. And according to the Ramban, Unkelis has a different message. So he writes, The reason why Unkelis and Yonasan ben Uziel change the physical descriptions of Hashem are Dvarim Yeduim B'Kabalav is they have to do with Kabbalistic secrets and all sorts of mystical ideas. So according to the Ramban, Unkelis is not teaching us that Hashem does not have physical form. That presumably we would understand on our own. But rather, Unkelis is incorporating all sorts of Kabbalistic and mystical secrets in the course of his translations. So that's why sometimes he changes the literal meaning of the word in the Torah to something a little bit different. It includes all sorts of mystical ideas. Now, unfortunately, the Ramban does not really expand on this much more than that. He doesn't get into the details of what Unkelis is trying to teach us. He just basically leaves it at that, that there are Kabbalistic reasons, and Unkelis is a great Kabbalist and is incorporating these ideas into his translation, and he makes a few little comments in that direction. And this is, in general, the way of the Ramban in his commentary on the Torah, that he alludes and references to all sorts of mystical secrets, but he does not usually expand them or write them explicitly because he did not want to be giving out Kabbalistic secrets in the course of his commentary on the Torah. So he wanted people to know that they're there, that they're true, that they're the true way to understand the Torah, but he did not want to write them down for everyone to read. So the same is true in his interpretation of Unkelis. He references them, he tells us that they're there, but he does not write them explicitly. Now, in general, this debate between the Rambam and the Ramban is a reflection of their overall debate about Jewish theology. The Rambam was a a philosopher, so he understood Judaism through the prism, of course, of the Torah and the Gemara, but using Aristotelian science and philosophy in order to make sense of it. The Ramban, on the other hand, was a great Kabbalist. He had a tradition in Kabbalistic ideas, so he interprets the Torah through that lens. So this is a further reflection of their overall debate. The Rambam reads Unkelis as a philosopher, and he interprets his message in a philosophical way, whereas the Ramban reads Unkelis as a great Kabbalist, incorporating those secrets into his translation. Now, it's interesting to note that there is another one of the great Rishonim who basically agrees with the Rambam's approach to Unkelis, even though he doesn't discuss this at length, and that is Rav Sadia Gaon in his Emunos Videos in chapter 2, where he discusses this whole issue that Hashem is not physical, and he makes a brief reference to Unkelis, and he interprets him along the lines of the Rambam that that is the message of Unkelis. So he writes, one of the proofs that Hashem has no physicality is from our tradition, 
tradition, we find the sages of our nation who are loyal to our Torah, wherever they find any physical statements in the Torah, they don't translate it in a physical way. So this is a reference to Unkelis, that he does not translate things in a physical way. But rather they interpret it in a philosophical way. So Rav Sadia Gaon agrees with the Rambam's basic reading of Unkelis that it's a philosophical message that Hashem has no physical form. And again, that fits in because Rav Sadia Gaon was also a great philosopher. So the Rambam and Rav Sadia Gaon interpret Unkelis along those lines as opposed to the Ramban who interprets him Kabbalistically. Now, there is a third way to make sense of what Unkelis is doing, and this is in the Maharal. He has this in his Sefer Tiferes Yisrael, Paraglamid Gimel, as well as in Gur Aryeh, which is a commentary on Rashi on the Torah, in Bracious Vav Vav. In both of those, he goes through the view of the Rambam, and he suggests an alternative, which is also different from the Ramban's approach. So the Maharal has his own questions on the Rambam's approach, and these are less technical than the Ramban, so he doesn't go through the different languages in the Torah and how Unkelis translates them, but they're more philosophical. First of all, he argues with the Rambam that it cannot be that the language of the Torah, if translated accurately and literally, would bring people to false beliefs. It cannot be that there is something heretical in the Torah. He says, The words of the Torah do not imply that Hashem has physical form. Because if the Torah's language implied that God has physical form, which is heretical, then God forbid that there would be something in the Torah which implies something so false and so untrue. It cannot be that the Torah would use language which is not true. Now, even though, as the Rambam said, it is true that the Torah speaks in a way which is comprehensible to people, so the Torah does need to speak in language which people are going to be able to understand and comprehend. But to say things which are going to give the false beliefs is not possible that it should be included in the Torah. So that's the Maharal's first argument with the Rambam. It cannot be that the language of the Torah is so confusing and teaches wrong beliefs that Unkelis needs to come around and fix it. So according to the Maharal, even a simple reading of the Torah would teach someone that God has no physical form. So how does the Maharal explain how reading the Torah's language literally would lead someone to understand that Hashem has no physical form? So in Tiferes Yisrael, he says that there's a philosophical difference between the thing in itself and how people perceive it. So when the Torah describes all the physical aspects of Hashem, that's just talking about how people are experiencing it, which is through physicality because people are physical, but it's not saying in any way that Hashem himself has physical form. It's just describing the perception of it from the people's angle. So this is a fairly basic philosophical approach to explain the language of the Torah, and the Maharal points out that he's repeated this in a number of his other svarim. In the new Maharal's, Rabbi Hartman 
point to the different places where he says this in Netzach Yisrael and Tiferes Yisrael and Ber Hagola and Vuros Hashem. So it is in a number of places. But Rabbi Hartman points out that the Maharal in Gur Aryeh, in his commentary on Rashi, where he discusses this issue more explicitly, there he does not identify that he's arguing with the Rambam, but in Tiferes Yisrael, he does identify that he's arguing with the Rambam's approach. Either way, in Gur Aryeh, he makes a different distinction, which is also going to explain the language of the Torah, but in a slightly different way. The Maharal distinguishes that any time we say someone is doing something or something happened because of someone, it always refers to the outcome of what they did. It doesn't refer to them themselves. So if we say that a person is upset or sad, we don't mean to say that there's some change within themselves. We mean to say that the outcome of whatever is happening is that they are sad. So if that's the case, even when we're discussing regular people, then certainly all the more so when we use language to describe Hashem, we're not describing him himself, but we're describing the effect, what happened because of some sort of process. So according to that, says the Maharal, there's no question at all on the language of the Torah, even though it uses some physical descriptions of Hashem, but it's just describing the outcome of a process about which we have no understanding because it's totally not physical. So again, this is a fairly basic philosophical distinction in what our language actually means and the limitations of our language in order to explain why there is no question on the literal translation of the Torah. So according to the Maharal, the whole question that bothers the Rambam to begin with falls off. The whole issue that the Rambam's addressing is why the Torah uses physical forms in terms of Hashem, and that's how he interprets what Unkelis is doing, but according to the Maharal, there's no question to begin with. So of course, Unkelis is not coming to answer that question, why the Torah uses physical language, because it's not a problem to begin with. So there must be some other reason why Unkelis is subtly altering these translations to reflect something less physical. So the way the Maharal explains this, it's she'en zed derech kavod letargim kach. It's just not proper to use certain types of languages about Hashem. So Unkelis who's writing a translation, wants to describe Hashem in the proper way. So he translates some of these phrases in a more polite or a cleaner form of language. So basically, according to the Maharal, Unkelis' motivation is etiquette. When you're writing a translation, which is going to be read by the masses, so it's proper to change certain terms into more refined or cleaner language. So this is one of the strengths of the Maharal's interpretation because according to the Ram the Torah's language is less philosophically accurate, whereas Unkelis raised it a notch and he made it more accurate. According to the Maharal, it's precisely the opposite. The Torah is describing things more accurately. The Torah is completely 100%, 1000% true, and Unkelis has to change things to be a little less accurate, but that's the job of a translation because you're making it accessible to the masses. So there are certain things which may need to be altered a little bit in order for the translation to work. So the Maharal fits in very nicely with the role of the Torah as absolute truth versus the role of Unkelis as the translator of that truth. So that is the third interpretation of the Maharal, that Unkelis follows the derech kavod, the proper etiquette, to change some of the less refined sounding things into a better phrase. And interestingly, the same basic language appears also in the Sefer Akedas Yitzchak, the commentary on the Torah from Rabbi 
Yitzchak Arama in Bereshis Shar Lamed Aleph. So he's also discussing why Unkelis alters the physical language of the Torah. And he says that there's a number of different motivations for Unkelis. He says sometimes Unkelis is trying to distance the physical sounding attributes or actions. So that's like the Rambam. The Yesh Lederach Kavod. And sometimes it's polite, it's etiquette. So that's like the Maharal. The Yesh and sometimes there's some signs to it. So that might be like the Rambam that it's a mystical idea. But either way, that Kedas Yitzchak references an idea very similar to the Maharal. So those are the three basic approaches that we'll survey in this recording. The Rambam and Rav Sadia Gaon that Unkelis is trying to teach that Hashem has no physical form. He does not act physically. The Ramban that Unkelis is teaching mystical secrets in different places. And the Maharal that Unkelis is speaking with the proper etiquette in a refined way. Now, just to end, it's interesting to note that this debate somewhat continued into the 19th century amongst the commentators of Unkelis, the chief rabbi of England, Rabbi Nathan Adler, who came to London from Germany in 1845, and he died in 1890, and his son Herman Adler took over after him. He was named after the great Frankfurt Kabbalist, Reb Nussan Adler, who was a Rebbe of the Chassam Sofer. So Rabbi Nathan Adler from Britain, he wrote a commentary on Unkelis called Nasina Lagarde. And at the beginning, in his preface, he discusses this whole issue of why Unkelis changes the physical terms in the Torah. And he basically follows the approach of the Rambam, even though he does note the Ramban's critique of the Rambam and the Ramban's approach, but he basically follows the view of the Rambam that Unkelis is trying to say that Hashem has no physicality, unlike the seeming literal interpretation of the Torah. On the other hand, the great Italian commentator Shmuel David Luzzato Shadal, who died in 1865, so he also wrote a book on Unkelis called Ohev Ger, and all of these commentators are playing up the fact that Unkelis was a convert, so they're playing up that theme in their titles, Nasina Lager or Ohev Ger. So Shadal, in his commentary, also in the preface at the beginning, discusses why Unkelis is changing these terms in the Torah, and he writes in the Siva Shlishi, Shinui Halashon Lechvod Mala, that the changing of the language of the Torah is for the honor of Hashem. So again, that language and approach is similar to the Maharal's explanation that it's because of etiquette. Now, it's also just worth noting that there are some modern academics who don't think that there's any pattern at all in Unkelis. So the great modern expert in Unkelis, Reb Rafal ben Yamin Posen, in his Parshagan, a series of Sfarim on Unkelis, in Bracious at the end on page 924. So he goes through this whole issue that we just discussed, but he quotes in a footnote that there was a dissertation at Hebrew U in 1979 that argued that there's no real pattern in the Aramaic translations of the Torah of changing the physical language regarding Hashem. So basically, there's an academic tradition out there, unlike all the great traditional commentators, that does not think that there's a real pattern one way or another, because there are different exceptions throughout Unkelis. On the other hand, Rabbi Posen argues that he thinks this dissertation is confusing Unkelis with the other Aramaic translations, and while it's true that in other translations there's no consistent pattern, he thinks it's pretty clear, like the Rambam, the Ramban, the Maharal, all the traditional commentators understand that there is a pattern of changing these languages throughout Unkelis.